Alan Cross from the Ongoing History of New Music and a Journal of Music of Things.com joins the show. Alan, I had to reach out based on Dolly Parton tweeting out yesterday that even though she's extremely flattered and grateful to be nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, she doesn't feel she has the earn, she has earned that right and really doesn't want to be uh, taking votes from other people. So she has uh, bowed out. How classy and strange is that? Well, I'm going to go with the strange side simply because the ballots have already been distributed. People have already voted. Oh. So why is she removing her name from consideration now? Uh, it seems a, a little bit late, especially when earlier on she said that if I make the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I'm going to uh, record a rock record. So I, I find the timing of this kind of uh, strange. So did she have a conversation with somebody that made her reconsider? Did uh, you know, She says she doesn't want to split the boat when it came to maybe some of the other females on this year's nomination list, like Pat Benatar and Dionne Warwick or whatever. So I, I don't know. I think it's a bit... Um, it's a bit strange. And mm-hmm. then other people will say, okay, well, that was very classy because she doesn't feel that she, um, you know, is, is the kind is, is rock and roll hall of fame material because she's known as a country and pop artist. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if Whitney Houston can make it, uh, then, then anybody can. So I find it a bit curious. Interesting. And, um, yeah. So, so that, and, and the, the fact that she, you know, she's now in the same sort of uh, league as the Sex Pistols and David Bowie and Guns N' Roses, who were all nominated and didn't show. So it's it's still very possible that she is going to make the cut, and uh, she's going to have to make a, a decision about what she's going to do. Well, as one of our lo- loyal listeners, Art Vandelay, pointed out, this could be one of the most rock and roll things that Dolly Parton's ever done. Well, that, that is extremely true. Yeah, uh, she like I say, she you know the Sex Pistols when they were nominated, ah, oh, I'm not going to be part of any sort of institution that would have us. No way. So yeah, <laughs> so she and Johnny Lydon right on the same page. Let's talk about the uh, lawsuits that are coming up, plagiarism lawsuits, uh, copyright infringements that seem to be popping up on a daily basis. Um, I was reading this article about this copyright infringement case, and one of the most, uh, I guess, visible is Ed Sheeran. He's locked into a legal ongoing battle over The Shape of You, which is Spotify's most streamed song ever. And uh, one of the associate deans of intellectual property at Brunel University, who researches music and the music industry, said the law needs to move with the times. Making music is so different now than it was 50 years ago. She says if Sheeran loses... I imagine we'll see even more cases, and I don't think copyright is doing its job properly if songwriters are afraid. That could be stifling creativity. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because maybe she has a point. No, oh, 100%. I, I am so on board with this because we're seeing all these frivolous lawsuits with people who are, you know, there's a, the Katy Perry lawsuit that was just settled over Dark Horse. This this guy who uh, tried to to sue her repeatedly for using the same five, you know, five, a sequence of five notes. They weren't even the same five notes. They were just five notes played in a similar sort of way. Mm-hmm. And, and the judge, you know, finally threw this out, which is just absolutely ridiculous because what we have seen since uh, really the blurred lines lawsuit where the estate of Marvin Gaye successfully sued Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams over, over that song, uh, because not, not because necessarily that the song uh, plagiarized it, you know, note for note, or had had passages in it that were identical to the, you know, what's going on, or, or let's get it on. Um, this the they lost the suit because the song felt 
too much like Marvin Gaye. And I said back then that this is going to open the doors to a bunch of ambulance chasing copyright lawyers who are going to, you know, scour the, the, the planet for songs that sound similar to her big hit songs and then try to extract some money out of it. And that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, there isn't so- it? Isn't it? It, when you look at Andy Warhol, I just watched The Diaries of Andy Warhol. I don't know if you've seen it yet on Netflix. I thought it was fantastic, by the way. It's a four-part series. Highly recommend. Um, You know, he took other people's works of art, like Da Vinci, The Last Supper, and built his work off of it. Can't you be inspired musically the same way artists are by other people's work? Not according to these copyright vultures, no. Uh, it is, it, it's a real problem. There are only 12 notes in the Western scale. And there are only so many ways that you can put those 12 notes together in a pleasing fashion. And it's not unreasonable that somebody working in isolation would discover uh, the same uh, sequence of notes or, or the same sort of melody that somebody had found 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago without ever having heard that song. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 I got there first. So I'm going to choose, I'm, I'm going to, to uh, stake my claim on those notes uh, forever and ever and ever. And if anybody wants to try and, and, and challenge me on it, we'll go to court and you're going to lose and I'm going to make millions of dollars. It's this is copyright laws, especially with songwriting, are so terribly broken. Now, this doesn't mean that there is there aren't issues of genuine plagiarism. There there are there are. And and th- those people should be called out. But Zeppelin. Well, <laughs> Sorry, yes, I had to do yeah, it. Yeah. No, 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 you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, so it's it's like it is stifling creativity. If I'm a songwriter and I think I have a hit song because it's got a great melody, uh, how do I find out whether or not someone somewhere on the planet in the last, well, since 1923, because everything before 1923 is considered public domain, but how do I determine that nobody has written a similar sounding song since 1923 so that Mm -hmm. nobody will come out of the woodwork and sue me? Well, isn't Dua Lipa dealing with some serious yes. charges or copyright yes. uh, infringement? But they sound, when you listen to the songs, they sound really similar. Well, yes. And the, in, in that particular case, well, you see, the, the, the Dua Lipa one's weird because there is some uh, suggestion that the there's a conspiracy that this reggae band that's suing her mm-hmm. uh, put their song up after Ooh. Dua Lipa had released hers. Yeah, how do you prove that? If it's like, well, we came up, we we wrote it years ago. We've been playing it in front of people. I mean, it's hard to know which came first. Right. And does that mean that, that, see, plagiarism should, it should indicate malice. It should be, you know, I deliberately ripped you off. I stole this from you because it, it was yours and I wanted it for mine and I just took it without your permission. That's one thing. But if you stumble across a similar sequence of notes, Without ever hearing, uh, you know, and I'll give you an example. There's, there's a couple of, of, of near lawsuits that happened because somebody in North America ended up having a song that sounded like some, something that was released in Greek 25 years ago. In, in, and this was only a, a minor hit in Greece. And then the, mm-hmm. the person from Greece looks at the North American artist and goes, hey, you know what? You copied my song. And, and the North American artist goes, I've never heard of you, let alone your song. Right. Yeah, it's it's wacky. So do you think there'll be a readjustment? Like, how, how hard is it to change the copyright laws of surrounding music? Well, most of the stuff is happening in the United States and the UK. So, yep. uh, you know, we, we got to look to them. 
to, to make the first changes. I, you know, we don't hear of a lot of copyright lawsuits here in Canada. I'm sure they exist, but uh, the the big ones make the uh, the papers in in uh, or make the news in, in the U.S. and, and uh, the U.K. I have to ask you this for executive producer Chris Creston, who's a massive vinyl hoarder. He loves vinyl. He loves Jack White and the White Stripes. He shared um, uh, this, this story with me where Jack White has shared a video and re- he's written an open letter to major record labels urging them to build their own vinyl pressing plants. He, of course, owns Nashville's uh, Third Man Records. They have their own pressing plant, opened uh, a new London store last year. And um, w- like, what are the odds that, that companies would actually want to do that, that record labels would want to build their own vinyl pressing plants? I would imagine that's a lot of work and a huge expense. Well, considering that they used to have their own pressing plants and, and decided to shut them down uh, in the age of a compact disc, you know, it's, it's, it, it, vinyl is not a fad. It's been getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year, double-digit increases year over year since 2008. And right now, the demand is so high that no one can meet that demand. And record-pressing plants all over the world are running flat out. And the major labels are often what they do, if, if they have any plants left, and I don't know if they do, they're, they're subcontracting this work to independent plants, and they're swamped. So Jack's, uh, you know, is, is saying, Look, I've got more business than I can handle. What you're doing is you're strangling a part of the music business and thus strangling part of the artist's who are trying to make a living these days by not being able to get, meet the demand for, for vinyl records. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is, there's, there's, there are companies that are, that are building modern pressing machines. There's, there's a, one in Toronto, for example, in Etobicoke that does some very, very good work called viral. Um, but you know, it takes a while to, to order these things and to set them up and to get the polyvinyl chloride, the actual raw material for making vinyl records, which is also in short supply right now. Mm-hmm. And, and with, oh, I've gone, you know, look at gas prices, look at the price of petrochemical byproducts going way up. So that's only going to create a, a, a bigger problem. That's a good so, point. You know, we don't think about the cost of albums going up because of the cost of petrol going up. But it's a that could be uh, a real uh, that's going to hurt people, music lovers where they live. Right. Because they love their vinyl. That's what happened in the 1970s with the oil shock. Not mm-hmm. only did uh, vinyl go up in price, but. The record label started using recycled vinyl, which meant that uh, there was a lot of impurities in these new records, and there were clicks and pops and all kinds of noise. It was terrible. So by the time the compact disc came along in 1983, we couldn't wait to get rid of vinyl because the quality of the material going into making the records was terrible. Always and fascinating hope- talking to you, Alan. I just There's little tidbits of information that we would miss otherwise, and I... Have to leave it at that because we're at a bit of a, a clock here with Dave Bradley getting set to give us the, the 640 Toronto News. But I really appreciate you joining us. It's a wealth of information that you bring and always interesting. You're very welcome. Have a great day. Alan Cross from the Ongoing History of New Music and a Journal of Musical Things.